Welcome to another episode of Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast, brought to you in partnership with Primetime Productions. This is episode 20 of Drop the Mitts. Um, Tommy, how you doing, buddy? Good to see you. Good to see you too, man. I mean, I'm doing good. It's a Wednesday, you know, enjoying this nice warm weather while it's still here, and then it's going to be cold as crap again this weekend. So just going to soak it in, you know, try and get some sun, I guess. Yeah, dude. I'm, I'm literally tomorrow, Emma and I are headed to Nashville. Um, buddy's getting married, so I'm best man in that wedding. So got to get this. Oh, congrats. Yeah, yeah man. Got to get the speech ready and yeah, hopefully rip it up in Nashville for a couple of days. I'll, although I don't know how long I'm going to be able to last there, man. Getting older, you know. Nashville Nashville's a great time. Their downtown is set up so nicely. Your Broadway's so sick. But I, I, went there, to... I went there a couple of years ago, and it was the only thing I didn't get to do because of the people we went with was we didn't get to eat Nashville hot chicken. Oh, man. And it, and it's I was like, this, this is the whole point. Like, it's like yeah. what you sort of go for. I'm hoping that the Preds are in town. I haven't even looked at the uh, at the schedule. I know. So we leave tomorrow. We come back Monday. If I can catch a game at Bridgestone, that rink is electric, dude. I, and I'm, trying, I honestly, I'm, trying, I'm trying to go there in March. You are t- for uh for a Preds game? Yeah, dude, you should. It's it's I, for me. It's it's a it's a, it's a six on. it's a six hour drive. Oh, so that's not, not bad. No, it's not bad. Colorado's not... in Colorado's in town, so it'd be like a fun game to go see. Oh yeah, dude. There's division be... battle like Yossi, Makar, Soros, yeah, Georgiev. Like it would be a good game to go see. Yeah, that. Well, hopefully they're all healthy by then. But um, yeah, that's yeah, true. dude. Even, yeah, Nashville's not bad this year. Um, they're always fun to watch, man. Like, I love watching Roman Yossi. He's one of my favorite defensemen. They got uh, some decent They got some decent young guys in that lineup, too. Yeah, dude. You know who's another guy I love watching is uh, Luke Evangelista. Yeah. I, think he's, I think he's a young kid that not a lot of people are talking about. Big power forward, and I think he's nasty, dude. I think they touched on it on um, Empty Netters. Luke Evangelista? They- think they brought him up yeah dude he's he's fucking gross and he's like you know who else is gross who that russian defenseman rookie for the fucking ducks oh my pavel mintikov is dude he is so good like i'm like no one no one literally pictured that at all like no well what's crazy is is you know chicago grabbed kevin korchinski I want to say it was like two picks per, uh, before Mintikov. They're both nasty, dude. I was gonna say Korchin. He's fine. He's he's doing good in Chicago. He's a yeah, he's young. I want to say he's like nineteen. But both. I think he are, went. I think he went the draft before Bedard. Yeah, no, he went the year before because the obviously the Bedard year they grabbed um, uh, Oliver Moore as well. But the he's, year he's prior, the kid. He's the kid in Minnesota, right? So good, dude. That kid is so good. Like, I know, like, obviously Bedard's the highlight, and, like, that's, yeah. obviously that's great. But, like, I think Johnny Lazarus, like, posted, like, he's he's been posting, like, college highlight stuff, and I'm like, damn, this kid can score. Dude, like, and a lot – we'll get, like, uh, the TikTok account, the Drop the Mitts TikTok account, we'll get, like, tons, like, DMs with, like, just highlights and stuff. So I kind of, like, go through and try to post as many as I can. Yeah. We've posted already so many Oliver Moore goals. It just seems yeah, like yeah, and it's it's like absurd. Like he's gonna come in and play with Bedard, and that's gonna be like the new dynamic duo in Chicago. Yeah, dude. And like going back to you know the Ducks man in Mintikov, like 
he's just one of the young pieces that they have. And I brought it up um, earlier in the week. It was last week, actually, that, man, Mason McTavish, holy shit, has he looked good. Uh, it's it's like it's it's kind of crazy like the like no one expected them to be good and that's fine like they were piss poor last year they couldn't defend i think gibson got peppered with like 40 shots a game they had no structure man like it was just my buddy's a ducks fan and it was just like he's like yeah we can't defend and gibson just does what he can do but it's like this year's a little different like I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team, but it's like you're starting to see these younger pieces kind of click more. Like, McTavish looks great. Like, he looks everything that he was supposed to be when he was drafted. Yeah. 100%. So, it's great to see. Drysdale, he's just snake-bitten with injury. Zegers only has, like, two points. Well, that's what I was just about to bring up to you. I don't. I think it was a graphic made by the NHL, and it was, like, talking about the young stars of, in Anaheim or whatever. And they had, like, Mintikov on there. They had uh, Leo Carlson, Mason McTavish. Bro, they left out fucking Trevor Zegers of this. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, I like Zegers. He's produced, like, 60-plus points the last couple years. But I I think he's kind of overrated. I mean, that might be, like, a really outlandish take. I think whoever listens to this might literally come at me and – Oh, say man. why but i just i i think he's good i don't think he's as good as what they've portrayed him to be like yeah he does the cool michigan and he does you know this and that but it's like yeah i, I he's think... not and he's not producing on a line where the other guys are yeah that's and... that's, that's brutal right like, how does that happen i think what's the weirdest thing not even the weirdest thing like i think he... People looked at him when obviously he was all over social media, right? With doing the Michigans you mentioned, but like, man, Leo Carlson is that is that one C for the future? Like, I I think Zegers has kind of gotten bumped as that. Like, well, he can play wing too. And he so can they play can the just wing. Get another center. That's exactly what I was saying. Yeah, and like I don't I think know he, how like defensive responsible he is enough. Like, because as a center, like, like you definitely have to be. Or, or at least you oh, should yeah. strive to be a little bit like don't like, obviously you're not going to be like Patrice Bergeron and be this elite two way center, but you could definitely have defensive capabilities or just put him on the wing and get another center. That's very possible. Yeah. Cause like, again, they're going to have a high pick this year, dude. I mean, it's, it's inevitable that they're going to have not, not saying they're going to have the number one pick, but they're going to have this, this draft upcoming is loaded once again. Hey, hey, never say never, man. They're ahead of the Oilers and the Flames right now and the Sharks. So, I mean, they're really not sitting in bad company, man. <laughs> no, man. They, uh, But, yeah, I mean, easily go grab another center, move Zegers to the wing. I, I like what they're doing there, man. They've, they've got some good young pieces, so we'll see yeah. how it plays out. But Do you think, do you think they, uh, like, just on the topic, like, do you actually think they trade Gibson? He requested a trade. They never moved him. He's actually not playing that bad. No, he's not. But again, he's one of those goalies that gets absolutely fucking peppered every night. Well, it de- well, let me actually, you know, I'm gonna look it up while I'm sitting here dicking around. Like I have actually the stats pulled up. Like last year was bad. Last year they averaged like 40 shots against. Last year it was, I don't know how. Like if I'm Gibson, like yeah, I don't blame you for wanting a trade. That's yeah. horrible. They average. That's actually like not bad. They're in the green. They average 32 shots a game, which is ninth in the league. I want to say that's fewest because if you're like they in the get, red, they get 
32 shots a game or they give up 32 shots a game? They give up 32 shots. That's a, a night and day difference from last year. Yeah. Last year it was brutal. Let me, I'll look at last year. Last year was disgustingly but bad. Going back to your original question about. Yeah. Last year they averaged 39. Yeah. That dude, was that's... first. That was the first. I mean, they're still allowing a ton of shots. Yeah. Like, but going from first to like ninth in terms of like the most. Yeah. That's, I'd say that's progress. They still average the same amount of shots per game, which is, so yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you know, here nor there, but. Well, to, so. you know, to go back and answer your original question, if they're in a spot come deadline time where they're not making the playoffs, they don't feel like they, because again, they're starting to get some guys back, Kalorn, um, you know, he, and he's, he's always a, he's a veteran talent. He's a good player still. Um, if they're in a spot where come deadline time, they're not going to make a run. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're completely out of it. I think you have to at least be aggressive with moving, you know, John Gibson. Why wouldn't you? He's Cause he's actually like both their goaltenders actually are playing. Fairly Dostal is, is younger, significantly younger. And he's a, he's a very good young wow. goalie. Dude. They, their numbers are really well. Like, okay. So Gibson's had one more start. He's allowed one less goal than uh, Dostal. Yeah. They both have a save percentage above 900. Their goals against average are below three. Gibson's is a 2-4-1. And they both have a positive goal saved above expected. Like, they're playing better. I think if they really – like, Anaheim's always had a weird way with developing goalies. Like, you even look back, they've always had somebody. Like, they got rid of Brzezgalov, they had Hiller, then they, like, moved on to Gibson, then they had – it's just they always have another goalie. Oh, yeah. So if they think this Dostal kid is the real deal, I mean, they could move Gibson if a team is desperate enough. I don't know what his cap hits like. So that that would be my next question. But with that being said, like, I feel like you'd get a pretty decent return for a guy like John Gibson, right? Like, especially a team that's, you know, because you have to think the team that's going to acquire him. Mm, what what's the cap hit on him? Cap hit is six point four million a year, and he's under contract for the next four years. I don't think he has trade. Oh, he's got so he's got a modified no trade clause. So he can okay. So he, he has, can so, he can somewhat dictate where he goes. I mean, yeah. I, I think at this point in his career, I mean, he's been the backbone of Anaheim for as long as I can remember. I mean, I think at this point to go somewhere. I mean, he probably want to go to a contender. Yeah, no, I, um, I think a team can facilitate it. I mean, is there any team you you would think like as of right now, as it currently stands, that would maybe be interested in a guy like John Gibson? There's a few, dude, and let me. I just want to pull up standings right now to see, because yeah, again, why wouldn't you? If you're a team that's gonna make a deep playoff run, and you're a goaltender away, there's a couple teams that come on you come to mind right away. Sure, Toronto. Yeah, Sam Sonoff continues to struggle as much as he has. I love Joseph Wall, don't get me wrong. But if can you imagine being able to add a John Gibson to that rotation? If Sam Sonoff struck, continues to struggle, yeah. you're not going to give him spot starts. So then you'd be rolling with a tandem of Joseph Wall and John Gibson. That Toronto is the first team that comes to my mind. Um yeah, but I don't even know if they'd have the money to make it work. They'd probably have to facilitate like a three-team trade to try and like. They'd have to work hurt, out some LTI. They would, to, they would have to like cough up some money off the books. 
that or utilize the LTIR one way or another. They already have. I mean, I don't know how much more you can push. You already pushed Murray and Muzzin. Yeah. I mean, dude, looking down the list, Edmonton. Obviously, we we see you know Shesterkin's been injured, which that we'll get into that later on. Um, the success of the Rangers without some of their top dogs. Um, man, Edmonton. But the thing is, but the thing is, is Edmonton going to want to take on that if the, if they're already so, that so them so them too so they. <clears throat> So they have no financial flexibility. They don't even have financial flexibility to move people up and down within the organization. I think with putting Campbell on waivers, they get a little bit of relief. I don't think it's a lot, but something something has to give somewhere because now we're on the topic. Like this is the Edmonton Oilers. They are, I think they're seventh in the Pacific. Yeah. They play the Sharks on Thursday, which is tomorrow. Toilet bowl. If they lose that game, look, I get the Sharks won, and it would have been hilarious if their first win did come against Edmonton. But, yeah. dude, if, if Edmonton loses to the Sharks, what happens? Do they fire the coach? I think Jay Woodcroft is on very thin ice right now. I think he... something has to give. Something's got to give somewhere. Like, their depth sucks. Their depth is garbage. Yeah, defensively, well, defensively, they're okay, like in terms of like their core side against and the attempts they're giving up. Yeah. But like in that Vancouver game, they their their coverage is so like not lazy, but it's like there's gaps to where yeah. the opposition get open. Like Vancouver was getting peppered like 19 to 3, and then they score a goal on their fourth shot because somebody was lazy in coverage. It's like Okay, if you're not going to defend well like that, you need to make a save, and they're not getting the saves. But they they're they're going to have to part ways with somebody with a high cap hit, and a lot of those guys have trade protection too. Yeah, well, I think what you're starting to see now is a lot of these contracts that they signed a few years back really are starting to come back and bite them in the ass. I mean, listen, man, Darnell Nurse making nine and a half million for how he plays, he's making the same money as Charlie McAvoy. That's outrageous to me. He, I think we, he's he I probably he he probably makes two million dollars more than what he should. I, and I mean, you know, and you can't and like in these cases, like you, you can't ever fault the player. That that's money. No, no, like, no. Like yeah. and and I know people are like, well, he makes that much. Well, you know what? Like, good for him. Like, honest to God, good for him. He makes that much money. But is he a not? Is he work? Is he playing at that level of that money? No. And I think that's more of a shame on the team, right? Like, yeah. I think I, I, I completely agree with you. Yeah, you can't knock the player. Go get your bag. Go make as much as you can, right, while you're healthy, whatever. It's more of a shame on the team that you evaluated this player. Because, again, now it came, it's coming back to bite you in the ass, right? Well, it's like they're, they're three, they're three, same they're three, thing. They're three big defensemen I think are fine. Like, I thought the Ekholm acquisition was abs- was actually really good. I thought that was one of the best moves of the deadline last year. Yeah. He actually has looked good as an Oiler. Bouchard on the power play is completely fine. He kind of I think Bouchard's their best defenseman. I don't know how. I don't know real. I don't. I don't watch the Oilers a ton. Like so, I don't know how good he is in his own zone. I'd have to like, kind of like do look at the fancy stats. But like he's a power play merchant, which is perfect for them. 
Yeah. Like he fills in for Tyson Barry at like a cheaper cost, but getting Ekholm was huge. But like they just don't have depth, and it's like you can't rely on McDavid and Drysidel. Yeah. To literally outscore your problems, and it's it's a lot of pressure to put on Stuart Skinner in that role. Like, hey, like. Yeah, I, know, I like. Think, it, I think they have a lot more problems than I think they have bigger problems than their depth. I think just seeing the body language of their top dogs, their coach's response in in press con, there's something off there. I don't. It, I think if they related, if they lose to San Jose, it's bad. Oh man, if they lose to San Jose, I mean, those are two coaches in that game that probably have are on the like both on the hot seat, right? Dave yeah, Quinn. but like, I mean, what do you like? I mean, Quinn. It like I get their NHL, but like, dude, look at that roster, man. <laughs> like Quinn, that roster is so bad, dude. Quinn has gotten the raw end of the deal on probably his last two head coach jobs, right? I mean, between the Rangers and San Jose, like the Rangers during that rebuild, dude, before where they are now, they were in rough shape. Rough, rough shape. I mean, this is this is worse. This has to be. Oh, worse. this is way. This is way worse. I mean, they like, have outside some of players. like Hurdle and Couture. I mean, who who's on that roster? Yeah, I mean, you like, have cutting stars. Like, obviously, I think William Eklund is going to be a phenomenal player for them. Oh, 100 percent. Um, you, you drafted Will Smith last year, fourth overall. Quentin Musty. I like again. They're going to have pieces. It's not going to be for another three, four, five years, probably. Like I think you're looking at a team that's going to be bottom of the barrel for the next three years, having easily again. I you've mean, seen that with teams that have re, that are rebuilding that are now on the positive side of things, right? They were garbage for four years, and now you're starting to see this shift, right? Detroit's becoming a, a very good team. Ottawa, Buffalo, like it, what goes around comes around, man. Like th- these are good. They're not there yet, but they're starting to turn a corner. Yeah, they're starting to turn a corner. I do agree. The only issue I have with those three teams is they're just so inconsistent. Yeah. Like, you watch their games, and it's like nothing's perfect in the NHL. No team is perfect. Like, the Boston Bruins last year weren't even perfect. Let's be really honest. Like, it, you know, yeah. like they were good, but, like, there were definitely flaws in the game. These teams are just – they're, like, so inconsistent, man. Yeah. Like, I watched Detroit – play the Bruins Saturday and like it was a fairly very good performance I'd say by Detroit they won by one goal but it, overall like they played what I thought was a was a better game than when they played the Bruins the week before Ottawa it's like you watch them they have good games and they have really bad games and it's like there's this bullshit with, with Ottawa They've caught some shitty breaks, dude. Let, let's call it. Oh, their year, their year is essentially a circus. Yeah, it's it, and it's too bad, man, because they got some really talented, really talented players. Oh, I love watching Ottawa. They have so man. many good pieces like to watch that are great. Like, you know, and Brady Kachuk. I mean, sounding off on the fans, and I can I can get it from both sides. Like, because the thing about Ottawa is they're not getting steamrolled. They're not losing like eight to one and getting the doors blown off the off the building. They're, they're competing every night. They're competing every single night. It's just right. like these inconsistent efforts. And then Buffalo, I love Buffalo. I like their core. They suck defensively, and their goaltending is is still a problem. In, in my opinion, I mean, yeah, no, I agree. 
and I, was, I think I think they need to shore it up. I, I don't know who they go get, but John Gibson. They could go get John Gibson. I was calling for, uh, and I think I think Biz said it last year, just like kind of shooting the shit on his show. Carol Vegmelka from Arizona. Like if Arizona just takes a crap, dude, he's a great goalie on a team that yeah. doesn't defend the best. But yeah, no. but them too, they're really fun to watch, and he's a core piece. Yeah, I hate to be the fucking rumor mill here, but I don't know if you saw the tweet earlier today about Jordan Bennington being linked to the Edmonton Oilers. I, I saw that. I came across that yesterday. It was it was like, here's the thing, and I'm just going to just lay this out for all the listeners, and this is just how it works. Okay, I'm a Boston Bruins fan. Obviously, you see behind me, I have Red Sox stuff, and I got Bruins stuff behind my tall Christmas tree. Right. All summer this summer, all we heard – which is rightfully so because you lose Bergeron and Krejci. That was your one-two punch for over two decades, and they're gone. Okay, I, I understand if Charlie Coyle and Pavel Zaka doesn't move the needle for some people, that's that's fine. I, I like them, but maybe the outside world doesn't, and that's fine. So all summer, all you heard was if a center was potentially available, the Boston Bruins were linked. Why? Because there's a need. Everyone thought they needed a center. So Mark Shifley was ringing the bell. I'll get to Calgary in a little bit, but Elias Lindholm is on an expiring contract. So they had him linked to the Bruins as well. Okay. No one got traded because of the salary cap. That's just, but my point is, is if there's a need, anyone that's available is going to somehow be linked. Yes. So the Edmonton Oilers just waived Jack Campbell. That contract sucked the minute it got inked. That was not going to age well, but Holland had to make a move. And so we did. It was the wrong move and now he's paying for it. But if there's a goaltender available or might be available or a snuffing of one, they're all going to be linked to the Edmonton Oilers. And guess what? Sadly for Bruins fans, a lot of people in the, in the rumor mill are going to link the Bruins goaltenders to the Edmonton Oilers for that very reason. Why? There's a need for a goalie, and the Bruins have the luxury of having two number ones. Do I think they should trade any of them right now? Absolutely not. Why? Because that's your bread and butter to success right now. You do not break up that tandem. You deal with that in the summer. Unless you get blown away by a crazy trade offer by the deadline, sure, it better be great. Other than that, you ride the tandem and you figure it out in the summer. But Jordan Bennington to the Oilers, that is interesting. Yeah, you well, you, you, probably, look- you you probably you probably trade Jack Campbell to make the money work. You would I have. Wanna, to. I want to say he make Bennington makes what six. Let me uh, let me check it's you like, on that. It's like six or six and a half. Wait, it was just seeing that man. Just like obviously we're talking about the the Linus Allmark rumor, right? To Edmonton, but which, which the trade doesn't work anyway because the Bruins don't even have a second round pick. Exactly, and, and Nugent Hopkins would have to waive his no movement clause, and so would Linus Olmark. So the trade doesn't really work in hindsight, but for a hypothetical, again, I get it. If people need a goaltender, they're going to link the Bruins because the Bruins have two number one goalies, and they're both playing really well. That's just yes, how. It, he, that's just that's just how it is. Bennington has a cap hit of six mil this year. That's actually not that bad. I knew at the time, like, 
and they signed it right after he went sicko mode. But but my question is, you look at it from the perspective of these two teams. You've got Edmonton, who's second to last right now, and you've got you know St. Louis, who's sitting at five hundred, right? What does it like? What would be the goal in this trade? Like, obviously, Edmonton's fulfilling their need of goaltender. But what, like, what does St. Louis have in mind? Like, what would they be looking to go wonder, get? So I wonder if they, like, I wonder, like, what point do they kind of like turn a leaf and like really retool here? Because a lot of that cup team is not around. Like, you got a few guys that are still around, but a lot of that team is kind of gone, man. Like, and, and they're not, they're, they're not bad, but they're not great. I mean, they have trouble on the back end dealing people because of their no movement clauses and their cap hits. But, you know, you build around Thomas and Kyrou and just kind of see where you go. Like, I wonder if they trade Bennington and get some assets back, whether it's players or picks. So I'm gonna... if, if there was a time to trade for Bennington, I think now would be the case. Like he had a pretty raw year last year, but he's played really well. Yeah, he's got you a know, two five eight goals against average. Uh, you know, a point nine one nine save percentage. His goal saved above ex- expected is four point six. I mean, that's not horrible compared to last year, and he's even doing good in the high danger uh, area as well with a good save percentage of uh, slightly above eight hundred. Yeah. So, like, if you're gonna trade for him, like now would probably be the time. I mean, he's allowed twenty one goals, but it's like his numbers aren't horrible. And I don't think the blues exactly are great. Like Kevin Hayes at one point was on the fourth line. Yeah. Why? So like right off the top of my head, there's, there's one guy that comes to mind who would make sense for what St. Louis might be trying to do. And that's Dylan Holloway. Um, He's, he's one of the best young players on Edmonton. Obviously we're not talking McDavid, all those. He's a young kid. Um, college hockey guy, played at Wisconsin. Um, he's a banger, dude. He would be a perfect fit. And I could see them potentially doing something involving him. Like, if if that's the route they're going to go, because if you think about it, who on Edmonton's roster would even be worth, at this point, a 500 team? It just doesn't make sense to me. It would, it yeah. would make sense for me for them to go and get a young player like Dylan Holloway, yeah. right? And... I don't know. He's a, he's a guy, man. I, I was watching, uh, I think he, so I, I, it was a clip that we posted. Um, he like, he broke a skate blade, man, and was trying to get off the ice and he like blocked another shot. And I was like, man, I love that grit, dude. Like, yeah. I love that. And just, I, then I kind of went down the rabbit hole of like watching all the like other highlights. And I'm like, man, this kid's a banger. Like he's, he's very good. You're not hearing a whole lot about him because Obviously, he's not playing on the top two lines in Edmonton, so you're not going to hear about him. But, yeah. you know, that'd be an interesting piece that if, if St. Louis, you know, so decided to move on from Bennington. I mean, it, I don't know if they would want to, but, I mean, Bennington kind of – it's like I don't think St. Louis is going anywhere in terms of playoffs or cup aspirations. Like, I don't – like, you know what, they won their cup. And a lot of those guys got their rings. That those guys like played their asses off. Same with Bennington; like he was stellar that entire run, even helping them get there. It could even entice him too. Like I know the record is as bad as it is in Edmonton, but like you're gonna go to a team that like like they want to win, 
Yeah, it's not like that that can instill his confidence further too. Like, go play in Edmonton. You're playing with with guys that that want to win. They don't want to be in this this position they're in. Yeah, I mean, and he could be the you know he could be the focal point, right? And and, or the main piece that turns things things around, gets them back. Just a spark. I mean, take some pressure off Skinner. Like, I think Skinner's better than what his numbers show. Like, his numbers are horrible, but I think he's better than that. It's just. I, just something's not clicking in, in Edmonton right now. And, and it, you know, and they have a lot of good players. Like you saw last year, they had like 400 point players. Like Nugent Hopkins was one of them. So was Zach Hyman. I think. Did he have a hundred points? I'm pretty sure he did. Look, like, I, it was, it was McDavid dry and Nugent Hopkins for sure. And I'm pretty sure Hyman was the fourth one. Dude. He was like absurd last year. Dude, Zach Hyman getting 100 points. I'm going to check on that. Because that – so last year – let me find last year. 2020 – he had 83 points, which is still a lot. Last year? Last year. Uh, yeah, 2022-23. He had, in 79 games, he had 36 goals, 47 assists, uh, 83 points, plus 13. I don't know where I thought he got a hundred. So you so McDavid, Drysidle, Nuge. Okay, okay. So it was three. I I guess I just made it up. Holy crap! Yeah, dude, dude that's dude. nuts. Looking at their point totals from last year, like the gap. Yeah, that's a, that's that that's literally absurd. I don't, man. This I'm curious to see because. I've always liked Zach Hyman, man. I, I mean, I I really think I liked he's, him in Toronto. I, he's such a I, I think I think I think Toronto misses him. Yeah, for for, I agree. for for the for the stuff that's going on, you know, after the Boston game. Yeah, dude. You want to touch on that one? Yeah, we can touch on that one because, man, I'm still seeing shit about that. I'm still seeing Ryan Reeves press conference. Just shut about, up. Just stop talking about it. You, you know had what? your opportunity. You were out. Like, my biggest issue with that whole thing, it, it's not even the press conference. Like, I don't even care about the press. It's the fact of, like, why did you talk about it after the game? Not at intermission. Or, like, dude, and I'm not saying this as a Bruins fan, but, like, if that was the other way around, Lucic is ripping somebody's head off. Oh, it, it like, like, it, like, not even, like, no questions asked. Like, the Bruins would have literally just made Toronto's life hell the rest of that game. Yeah. And it's, and it's wild to see because that's what Toronto did all summer. They bring in Tyler Bertuzzi. He's not playing that well. He got demoted to the fourth line that game. Yeah. You bring in Max Domi. I don't like Max Domi. I don't think he's that good to begin with. He had a good year last year, but that's a fluky year. He's not playing well either. And Ryan Reeves was brought in to do exactly what he said in his press conference. Granted, they came back against Tampa Bay. They clapped back after Tampa Bay said what they said in terms of the situation of like, you know, getting pushed around and getting bullied around like in the playoffs and stuff. But it's like, why would you wait till after the game to be like, guys, we really should have been tough and really should have pushed back. Do it during the game. Like, yeah, do it during the game. Send a message during the game. Man, I, I think it's like sometime in December they play again in Toronto. Mark that on the calendars. 
Yeah. Well, the thing is, what I don't understand is exactly what you just said. The reason for bringing these guys in was to add toughness, to add grit, to add put the put the sandpaper to the yeah to put fear in other teams. Like, hey, you're not going to fuck around with our team, and you're not going to you know you're not going to play that shit. Yeah, and it's not even the point of like, did Marshan do it intentionally? That's not even the point. Whether he did or not is a different conversation. It's like your guy got hurt. He's down. He's you down. respond. Like, you respond. It's it's as simple as that, and that's all you said in your press conference. It's like okay, but like do it on the ice, like, and you should have just did that in the locker room. Yeah, well, the fact that he brought up, well, I w- I wasn't out on the ice with him. Uh, we had last, you know, last change. Yeah, or, they had the last change or something. I go, man, miss me with that bullshit. You were out on the ice with him multiple times and yeah. had your opportunity. You did well, and it didn't, and it didn't even have to be with Marshan. Yeah, no, I mean, you could, you you could have, you could have hit like Matty Potra for all, you know. I mean, that would have ended well, but you know, could've. my point is, you could have literally just laid the body on whatever person was wearing, you know, the alternate jersey, not Toronto Dude, blue. Responding doesn't always mean responding doesn't always mean dropping the mitts. No, right? doesn't always it, it doesn't always work like that. Sometimes it's a no. big hit. Sometimes it's a big goal. Sometimes it's a it, it's how yeah. guys were fucking mute. They were useless in that game. And it was really interesting after the game, Tyler Bertuzzi's response when asked about why he was smiling and his stuff. He's like, well, I don't think I have to, like, explain myself. Justify that, yeah. Like, again, I mean, they're barking at each other. I'm sure some hilarious shit is being said, like. What do you want him to do? He just got fucking demoted to the fourth line. Like, I'd be yeah. pissed off too. So I saw actually something float around today. Like, it was uh, I can't remember if it was Pierre LeBron or Elliot Friedman, but was talking about like how Calgary has like three defensemen on expiring contracts, and he mentioned just like the Toronto Maple Leafs could be a team that's interested in them, and the three names that he brought up were Noah Hannafin, Chris Tanev, and Nikita Zadorov. If they really could use a guy, it's Nikita Zadorov. I, I would take you. him on my team in a heartbeat. Have you gotten the opportunity to listen to any of his like press conferences within the past like two weeks? Yeah. He yeah. puts his entire friggin' team on blast. I would respect he wants respect accountability. Him. But he did it in a professional manner. Yes, he, he didn't did. do it. He didn't like. He didn't drag anybody through the mud. He didn't. He didn't put anybody down. He was just, you yeah. know, trying to hold his team accountable. Just leadership. But that's a big physical body that they don't have. Like, not on the blue line. Like somehow, by the grace of God, John Klingberg is worse defensively. And I don't know how he's worse defensively this year than he was last year. But it's like you signed him with these aspirations of being. And really that team needs like a nice shut down guy, which is why he linked Toronto. Like, what do you think, especially about Calgary as a whole? Like Jonathan Huberto got benched last night. Yeah, I saw that. I think, dude, and, and trying not to solely look at it like again you mentioned we're Bruins fans right and man a guy I would love to have on this blue line is Noah Hannafin 
and I, and I uh, think Sweeney, Sweeney Sweeney wanted to draft him, so it's like that connection's there, man. It, it, say what you want, man. That think, Massachusetts connection is think, always going to be there. It, I don't think it happens. Not not with the emergence of Low Rye. No, I don't think I don't think this year. I think potentially you could see some movement. Um, he's a free I, agent. This, he's a free like, Calgary. Calgary has a lot of expiring deals. Like it's it's interesting because they have a lot of guys that are under contract that are probably very difficult to move. But Craig Conroy, he he's made it very clear he's 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 not going to keep guys around if if they he if he knows like they're not going to sign. And those three guys, Noah Hadifin's pause talks, from what I've read. Do you see Toronto maybe making a move for for a player such as theirs, like someone that could be a shutdown guy? Like I don't see Noah Hannafin being a fit in Toronto. I don't. I see Nikita no, Zadorov, yeah, Zadorov. I, I, yeah, I think Zadorov. That's like, a fit. That's a fit. Like I think they need that. Even Tanev could be potentially. He, he's got solid two way play. Yeah. They he also linked the Edmonton Oilers. For um. Just, just, just no. Well, just in general, that. just in generally speaking, this was more of just like a rumor on the thirty-two thoughts podcast. Yeah, he was just talking about like, you know, like how funny would it be if Calgary just like helps these two teams that are just struggling mightily, like in terms of shutdown ability. Yeah, you know, and I think I think the only way that Toronto, looking at it first from Toronto, the only way they make a move for a defenseman is a guy like Zadorov. Because that's exactly what they're missing. I mean, they're very soft on on you know on defense. He he's a dude that would slip in there right away and be a perfect yeah. fit. Um, as for Noah Hannafin, I don't see him getting moved. This I I think he just leaves in free agency. I don't think they're going to move him for anything. They might uh, they might if like an offer comes their way. You know how people get really desperate at the deadline. If for sure. Need- for sure, but what's what's interesting about it too, dude, is you got to remember we have Forber and Grizz coming off the books for for left shot defensemen. So you're you're looking potentially if if they you know if Sweeney sees a fit of Lindholm, Hannafin, Lowry. Then you go to the right side. You're working giving well. giving Lowry some like bottom minutes wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. No, I he he he's done well in like top four minutes, but giving him like, you know, just sheltered minutes, pair him with like bring back Shattenkirk for like a million, and I'm fine. Well, that's I was just getting to to you look at the right side of that defense. So McAvoy, Carlo, obviously are locked up. Yeah, bring back Kevin Shattenkirk, dude, for that last pair. Why not? Or I'm sure there's going to be other you know free agent you know. Right shot defenseman available. There's, dude, this free agency class is loaded. A yeah. lot. Some some guys have come off already because they've signed extensions. But like, this is a very loaded uh, free agency class. Yeah, and and I think obviously with the cap going up, I think you're going to see the Bruins be pretty aggressive, right? Uh, as think. it as it like kind of stands, I think Sweeney has like thirty million to work with. Which that's but, which 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 like he does have some holes to fill that are fairly big. Like you have the DeBrus contract. Don't know what that's going to look like. He hasn't exactly produced and scored at the rate that he maybe should be. Um, and then you have to sign Jeremy Swayman. And I hate this. Like he's going to get paid. And 
I know he's an RFA, but he's going to get paid. He's going to get paid more money. He, I could easily see him getting anywhere between five and six. No yeah, questions yeah. asked. No hesitations. I'm looking at this free agency list right now. Yeah, there is some. It's big. Phenomenal. Like Aho, Brady is available. I wanted Sebastian Aho, but like I knew he was going to sign in Carolina. Did you not to not to like change subjects? Did you see that hit that he had on Adam Fox? Who? Sebastian Aho. It was like a knee on knee hit. It was out. <sighs> we're just gonna get into the Rangers now, but I saw it. I everyone kept looking, and they were like, "He kicked his leg out." He kicked. I'm like, he, he did. The, if you kind of like, like he kind of did, but he like, but he like didn't, and. I I gotta say what I I've said this to like a Hurricanes fan like on their Facebook page and they were just like one I think the fan was just saying like how um you know why would Truba say that like Aho has to fight it's like he doesn't have to fight but like he better keep He's his head up. up he better keep his head up next game is all I have to say yeah. I, like, I don't care how you look at it like. Incidental or not, a knee on knee is a serious thing. Like you better have your big boys ready to go next game. Is all I have to say. Because I'm not saying Truba's gonna take his head off, but dude, you took out their star. Yeah. Incidental or not, like dude, that like that's a guy that's going to make your life very difficult next game. Like you yeah. better keep your head up. Like Truba is not afraid to deliver a big hit. He He's has a no freight train, dude. He's the modern day Scott Stevens, and everybody hates it because they're trying to crack down on open ice hits. And you know what? It is what it is. It's part of the game. He does it the right way. I don't like seeing people get concussions, and I don't like seeing the head jerk back. But if he's hitting you square in the chest and he's getting your shoulder and he's delivering a big hit, is what it is. It's part of the game. And he's just the modern day Scott Stevens. Like I told Devils fans, I'm like, you can't bitch about this. Yeah. You had a guy doing this for like 20 years. Yeah. Like you can't complain, but dude, the Rangers are a wagon, man. They are. I, I want to dude. touch on, on that play a little bit because sure. what, what I didn't understand and by watching it and I, I encourage whoever, you know, to go watch this play. Adam Fox gets rid of the puck, right? All Sebastian Ajo was trying to do was Adam Fox was making a beeline to the net. It was, oh, a yeah. give, it was a give and go play. The puck was behind Sebastian Ajo. And Sebastian Ajo had his – he was literally facing Adam Fox. There was no reason. He he should have pivoted, transitioned. The puck is down low at that point. Sebastian Ajo made an effort to try to get – slow down Adam Fox and prevent him from getting to the net. Pl- clear yeah. as day. Yeah. He stuck his leg out. He he was going to do whatever it took to prevent Adam Fox from getting to the net. On Dude, you don't fuck around with knee-on-knee shit. That's some of the most no, dangerous I've, shit. I've, I've taken. I've taken a knee on knee. I got lucky, but dude, that shit hurt like hell when I played. Bro, I and like you, <laughs> that shit hurt you so bad. Fuck someone's career. Like uh, it's it's going to be one of those things. And and you know what? I, I'll, I will say Sebastian Ajo is not a dirty player. No, there he's, was he's not. Was, he's not. It, it was just a. It was a very, you know, poor play in terms of like how he executed. But he's not a dirty player. I, I mean. I love Sebastian Ajo. I love what he brings to the Hurricanes. I love his style of play. He's going to go down as probably the greatest Hurricane to ever play. Just just 
gotta keep you're gonna have to keep your head up next game because the the, the Truba train is <laughs> he's going to come and it's not going to feel good. Yeah, no, and yeah, you're right. You know, he's like, gonna, and, he's and, if, and for a skill guy like him who likes to you know kind of beep bop through the middle of the ice, uh, well, that's not exactly a safe spot for you. So uh, you might want to keep your head up next game. Uh, the, it's going to be a bloodbath. I think those two teams hate each other. Yeah. You know, so, and, and again, yeah, you mentioned he's he's not a dirty player. Absolutely, he's not a dirty player. I think in a, in the game happens so fast, right? And those just, are two fast players. Yeah, but again, it's one of those, those things you just don't do. You don't – I don't care how fucking fast the game – you don't stick your leg out ever. There's not – there is not a play in hockey that you can tell me where it's warranted where you stick your leg out. Name – if you can name one for me or anyone can, there – unless you're going to block a shot to stick your leg that was, out. That's that. That was my that's only it. one was blocking a shot. <laughs> that's it. Other than that, man, yeah. it's, it's not warranted. It's dangerous. And, yeah, we can get into – the Rangers being an absolute wagon right now. I mean, they're, they're getting it done, man. Like, and it's not even just Fox being done. It's, it's, uh, Shesterkin's out right now and they lost Philip Hedel too. So that's like one of your centers for a team that's fortunate enough to have center depth and you're still getting quality goaltending from Jonathan quick. I think the biggest key for them is their five on five play. Yes. It was so lackluster under Gallant. They were I think, like, just from, like, a core Cy4 standpoint, they were literally mid-20s. They were poor under him. They relied on the power play. They relied on Igor Shesterkin way too much. And that's not sustainable. They had no structure. At least now under Laviolette, they have structure. And it doesn't matter when you have structure. You can plug any person in as long as you play to the system. That's why the Hurricanes are so damn good. Because they have structure and a system, and it works, and every player buys in. And you're seeing that with the Rangers. I think they've only lost, like, one game in their last, like, eight games. They're first in the Metro. Like, they're just getting it done, and it's collective from everybody. Alexi Lafreniere has newfound confidence playing with Artemi Panarin. He looks like a completely different player this year, and he's scoring goals. Vincent Trocek is getting it done. Panarin... That's the best free agent signing they've had in a long time. They're just getting it done, even without Adam Fox. It's, it's, you know, and it's just, it's, I'm a Bruins fan, and like my dad was a Devils fan, but I can safely say I love the Rangers and I love watching them. Yeah. And it's just, it's great to see them play better than what they were, like, even for the last two years. Like, yeah, they were fun to watch. They went on a deep run the one year. They got bounced in a series that pretty much was the way it was supposed to go. And now they play with better structure. And you know what? Good for them and good for under Laviolette. Yeah, I think, you know, and you mentioned, I'm loving what I'm seeing from Lafreniere. Obviously, we know what we're getting from Panarin. He's a stud. A guy that I have really enjoyed watching when I get to see Rangers games is Will Cooley. I was just about to say. Bro, this dude is a is a maniac. Six three, literally six three, two ten, twenty one year old. He was a twenty twenty second round pick, 29th overall in twelve games, three goals, one assist, four points, and is a plus two. I love his game, dude. He's fun to watch. He's a banger, and they got a good one, man. It, he kind of emerged out of nowhere, like especially for me. I'm sure Rangers fans probably have heard, you know heard of him. 
But again, I, I really like what he brings to this lineup. Like it, it's it's a balance with all the skill. He kind of brings that edge, right? He it, it's it's good for the Rangers because all, a lot of their talk, you know, has just been around like, can they develop these young guys? You know, you, like you look at a team like the Devils, like they've developed their young guys, and a lot of those young guys have now shaped the core of what that team is like. The Rangers got, you know, they got blessed. You know, you 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 were able to pick Kako the one draft, and then you were able to pick Lafreniere the next. And you're starting to see Lafreniere's game have this newfound confidence, which is fantastic. That's what you want to see finally. But Kako's a little concerning this year. Yeah, he definitely hasn't had the same, I guess, success. He's, right? He's got. He's and the thing with him is he was on the top line with uh, Zabanajad and Kreider, and he just wasn't getting it. He's He's got one goal, one assist in 12 games. He's only generating 1.5 expected goals. So, I mean, he's scoring at an expected rate, but he's not generating a ton of offense. I mean, even Blake Wheeler has, like, one point right now. Yeah, I did see I – mean, um... They have a collective effort of where their depth scoring is coming from, but you're starting – like, what you needed as an X factor was – Lafreniere and Kako, but now you got, like you said, Cooley. It's like, okay, well, it kind of takes the place of like Kako a little bit. Yeah. That kid kid buzzes all over, man. It's awesome to see. Yeah. He's fun to watch, dude. And like, again, they're pretty, they've got a loaded line. I mean, Kreider is Kreider, man. He's got 12 points right now, nine goals, three assists. Um, You mentioned Panarin, seven goals, 13 assists. Eric Gustafson, man, dude. Defenseman he, Rangers. He, he fills in. He fills in on the power play where Fox is supposed to be, and it like softens the blow a little bit. Yes, and you know what I really like too, man, is like the Rangers still have kids coming up that are in the lineup yet that are going to be difference. Makers. Inject Brennan Ottman into my veins I <laughs> right love now. That. I just about give, to me, give me that guy and Dude, give me him now. Like, if they can develop him properly, you can trade Capo Caco or do whatever you please with him. He's in the last year of his bridge deal. You can figure out what to do there. But, man, inject that kid into my veins. That kid is dynamite. Dude, he is. And, you like, again, just to go down the list of, you know, guys they've drafted, Gabe Perot. Gabe Perot, was, he had the most points out of that line, right, out from Ryan Leonard and Will Smith. And he went 23rd overall. Right, which was it, insane to me. In, that in, in a loaded, in a loaded class, that's like great. But like, holy crap! It's like when when that pick was there, I'm like, just take Perot. It's right there. Just do it. It it's, it's right there. It's that's easy. all you have to do. It's easy, easy shoe and pick. You mentioned it, dude. Like that's exactly how I thought. Like pick rolled around and they announced Gabe Perot. I was like, wait, I thought he was gone. And I'm like yeah. scrolling through, looking at the thing. I was like, he, "This this dude fell to 23." He was like the best player available, I think, like at that pick. And it was just like, dude, you you just it's like it's like a play, it's like a pitcher throwing it right down the middle. You just just crush it, just crush yeah. it out of the park, man. That's and 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 they and they did, and that's huge for them going forward. If he can keep developing the way he is, and they kind of push these kids a little further, like you might have these veterans towards. You know, maybe taking a little bit of a step back by the time they come in, but dude, the Rangers could be in really good shape in in the really near future, to be really honest. But 
as for the present, they're they're doing great, and I think the coaching change has absolutely sparked it. Yeah, I I love dude. I love him, Laviolette as the coach. I've all I've always loved him. They almost they almost really messed up and hired John Hines. Yeah, I, I that would have been a colossal mistake. Like if I was a Rangers fan, I'd literally like go to Chris Drury's house and question him. Like, like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> like, Chris Drury's killing it right now, man. And and you know what? I know that you know Hughes Gorton kind of laid that groundwork, I guess, right? But man, I I love what Chris Drury's doing. And and just to go down the list too of like some other guys that they have coming up. Zach Jones, who was a defenseman for UMass. He played. He played last he night. Played, he, yeah. was, he was really good. Like, Adam Skura. Oh, he's a good player, man. He and like again, I think he's good. You're gonna see him. Um, he was a second rounder, 63rd overall in 22. Um he, you know, he's in the AHL right now, but he's another guy that I could see cracking the lineup in, in a year or two. Um, I really like what they're doing. Like, I, I think they put themselves in a really good spot. Um, they're balanced. They've got four good lines. And, yeah, obviously the disappointing piece of this is, is Cackle right now. We don't really know what the hell's going on. Like, we've seen Lafreniere show. I wouldn't say that he's completely taken that next step yet, right? It, it's, it's better. It's better, though. Like, he, he's taken better. the next step that he needed to. And yes. it, it's – it just sucks because of the way the roster is constructed because he's behind Kreider and Panarin and you're just not, if he was to choose to play left wing, you're just buried because that's just how the roster is constructed. He's playing his off wing, which is fine. He's open to it, but he wanted that increased role after the playoffs. He wants to be a top six guy and it's something they just should have done this entire time. Yeah, I know, but, but it's but it's fine. And you know what? He's clicking with Panarin, and just let it and just let it ride. Enjoy it. Like yeah. this is what you wanted to see out of your first, uh, you know, overall pick. Yeah. Um. No, I agree. Like I love what they're doing there. I think it. You know, at the end of the day, it's going to be Devils and Rangers in that in the Metro. I mean, in my opinion, right? I, I, what about uh? What about Carolina? I think I think. To, Dude, they always get decimated with injuries, and I see the same thing happening this year. I feel so bad for Freddie Anderson. I do want to touch on that. Like, yeah, and that's why that, that guy, that's that guy like, like, I think he got the raw end of the deal in Toronto. I, I think it, I think like you can really like look at it now, and you can actually honestly say to yourself like Frederick Anderson was not the problem in Toronto. If you actually look back at like his tenure. You know, those last couple of years, dude, he had like 60 starts. That guy was at a gas by the time the playoffs came and yeah. he just played as well as he could, but he wasn't the problem. And I think you're starting to see now how many different goaltenders has Toronto used since he's left? God, so I- in all seriousness, like they've used a, a good bit, but he goes to Carolina and the poor guy just can't stay healthy. It's it. He's just been snake bitten year after year with some injury at some given point, and it's just super unfortunate. Like the first year, he got injured right before the playoffs, so Ranta basically played the entire postseason. Last year, he was hurt for a good chunk of the regular season, played lights out in the playoffs. Speedy recovery, Freddie. I hate that you're going through this blood clot issue. 
he is out indefinitely. I hate it for him because when he is healthy, he's a Vezina caliber goaltender, in my opinion. Just health has not been on his side. And I don't know when he's going to come back. I mean, you know, if he can, if he can come back and regain that form, I hope he does if, you know, but the, the most important thing is his health. And I, I hope he, I hope he can get healthy because, you know, he's, he's a good, he's a good person, but he's also a good hockey player. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, obviously, yeah, we wish him fast, speedy recovery. You never want to see someone go through something like that. You know, um, as far as, a, you know, I, this is a big blow to this team, dude. Like and that, that's again, part so, of the so I wanted to ask you and Mikey this question, like as like a just a DM, just to like engage with you guys. And I've I've asked people this, and this was when the this was a fully healthy lineup. And right now with the goaltending, you got Ranta. I mean, they signed both goaltenders back for under five million, which kudos to Waddell for getting that done. They're bringing Kachetkov back from Syracuse, but they have Halak on a PTO. Right. Um. But do you think this is a cup or bust season for the Carolina Hurricanes? And here's why I ask this question. They only have three defensemen locked up beyond this season. And that is Brent Burns, that is Dmitry Orlov, and that is Jacob Slavin. The forward position, the only players locked up are Bunting, Kakaniemi, Svechnikov, Stahl, I want to say maybe Jesper Faust, Mm-hmm. And there's like one more. If anything, they're that still half their lineup needs extensions. And you got Seth Jarvis and uh, Marty Natchez highlighting the forward group that needs extensions. Is this a cup or bust year for the Carolina Hurricanes? Yes. Given given what I've like kind of laid out. Yes. Yes, I think I think that where oh, they've been. And the biggest thing is Rod Brindamore doesn't have an extension in place yet. I don't think there's a, a scenario where – for sure. I mean, I feel like they've been at the same point, right? For for however many years, they, they've been a – they've been a very good team. But they've been – I feel like they've stayed so stagnant, right? There's Throughout. always something that happens. Like there's something In 21-22, it was – they got the goaltending and they killed the Bruins – and then they played the Rangers and they couldn't win road games. And they, their like entire top six went ice cold in the second round of the playoffs. Then you see last year, they basically just, I mean, they ran into Bobrovsky. I, I mean, it is like, that just is what it is. You ran into Bobrovsky and you ran into Matthew Kachuk. Like that was it. But there's just like always something that somehow snake bites that team and you just got to wonder if, like, if this is a cup or bust season. They'll have the salary cap, but they have a lot of roster spots to fill. Yeah, it's – again, it's – it's a, they're in a weird spot, dude, because, again, you look down this roster. Do they have any clear-cut top guys, superstars? So I, – I wouldn't say – depend, It depends what you want to label as, like, a – like – I don't think they have – like, I think the closest thing to a superstar is Sebastian Ajo. Um, I think, uh, like, Andrei Svechnikov, like, very good, effective power forward. He does his role very well. I don't think he's a superstar, but he's, like, an all-star caliber player, and I think Natchez is the same way. I agree. Like, I think, like, they're a team, and I've, I've said this to a million Hurricanes fans, like, 
they buy into the system. They are a system-based team. They go, they go by a scoring by committee type approach. Everybody chips in, but everybody buys into the system. Like the way they play, like nobody cuts corners and nobody slacks. They work as hard as their coach. I, I think they need like they need like a superstar. Like I think they need like a they need like a Matthew Kachuk. They need like a I don't know, like uh, like an Artemi Panarin. Like they need something. And I, I always like I don't think it'll happen, but it's like I always wondered if a guy like Toronto won't do it. And I don't think Carolina would either, given the state of like they need contracts, but I always wondered if like a, a legit scoring winger like William Nylander would go. Like, yeah. I love Seth Jarvis. I think he's great both ways. He's super good in the offensive zone for a small guy. I love Marty Natchez. But it's like these guys, they go cold in the playoffs. They yeah. just have. Like, if Ajo's, if Ajo's getting shut down, like, he's the train that keeps it going. I, You know, it just is what it is. And it's like, if they get snake bitten in the playoffs with goal scoring, like, I don't, like, you can only defend so much, like – yeah, I dude, and honestly, just matchup wise down the stretch, I don't like how they match up with New York or New Jersey. I think it, I think their problem. So like last year it was like finishing ability. They had they had great like offensive generation. Their expected goals rate was one of the best in the league. It's just they couldn't bury the puck. And it's like if you're gonna run into a hot goaltender, like I don't care how often you have the puck if you're yeah. not scoring because if the other team's putting the puck in the net, it doesn't matter. No, I agree, dude. And I think that I, I think we're in agreement with there's something missing, and I think exactly what you just said, a superstar. And would I consider William Nylander a superstar? He's he would be a superstar. He, he, he would be he would be a superstar there. Absolutely. Because like, like you even look back to last year, their like top point producer was Natchez with seventy one points. Right. I yeah. Like. And that's and that's fine when you have a bunch of guys who can chip in and produce and score goals, but like something has to give. Yeah. It, and I think like if you like if you don't win the cup this year, like changes are coming. Like I wonder what they think. Like I love Rod Brindamore. I would take him as my coach personally. Mm-hmm. I think he's done a great job turning that thing around. But yeah. I think they're gonna run into the same problem the Boston Bruins ran into last year. They have way too many defensemen, and you can only play six. Yeah. And well, I think they were anticipating maybe a Brett Pesci trade. Hasn't happened. Yeah. But you have too many defensemen. You have way too many. The, the bringing back of Tony D'Angelo, man, kind of was puzzling to me. It makes sense. They need him for the power play. Their power play was porous last year, but I also think well, – You were already so heavy on the, on, the, on the back end. You just mentioned it. So, so they so – recipe for success is their offense from the blue line. Their blue line was probably the most productive blue line in all of hockey. Like that's just what, that's how that offense works. Their power play was significantly worse after D'Angelo left. Cause he's very good at quarterbacking a power play. I personally think that the, inability to finish and bury the puck trickle down into the power play. Cause if you're not finishing it five on five, that's fine. But if the same players are out there that are struggling to score, it just is a trickle down effect. Like Tara Vine had a down year. It's just like, okay, like 
is one guy going to change it? It's worked a little bit, but it's like you brought in Dmitry Orlov. It's like, what? But again, like they have all these defensemen, and I think Rod Brindamore, it's a good problem to have. Don't get me wrong. We saw it with the Bruins, but then it's like, who do you sit? And what if you sit the wrong guy at the at the most inopportune time? Yeah. Like Matt Grizzlick should have played. Yes. But he didn't. Instead, you had Derek Forward and Connor fucking Clifton. Yeah. Absolutely ruined game six. Like, I uh, just, you know, but it's like, does Carolina have that? Like, they're sitting Jalen Chatfield in sometimes, and he's arguably their best shutdown guy behind Jacob Slavin. And Burns. I mean, Burns is a good – Burns? Good. So and, – and, and someone, like, tried, like, telling me they're like, what D'Angelo did was special. I'm like, what, what did he do? What the fuck did he do? Burns did the same thing but better the next year. Yeah, exactly. Like, they moved on from Dougie Hamilton and got D'Angelo. D'Angelo played better than Dougie. Okay, well, they moved on from D'Angelo and got Burns, and Burns played better. Like, yeah. you're not putting D'Angelo on your top pair. You don't need to. Burns is completely fine with Slavin. Yeah. D'Angelo came in for the power play. That is why they brought him back. Yeah. They didn't wow. bring him back for his defensive ability. I can tell you that much. Well, that that in the contract that you got him on. I mean, he would he I you had to assume after all the Philly, bullshit that's happened. Philly, Philly ate like half of that. Right. So I'm like I don't know. It's a it's a good problem to have for sure. But yeah, you mentioned it. You can dress six, right? I mean, you could realistically. You're not going to do 11 7 in the playoffs. Like, right. You're not going to wear down your top three lines. Yeah. Like, they roll four lines and they roll them very effectively. Like, right. Yeah. Know, I, I think it is. I think it's cup or bust for them because how, how long are you going to stay stagnant, right? How long are you going to stay in the exact same spot that you've been in for how X amount of years? Yeah. And you just don't know if you're going to bring, you just don't know if you're going to bring this core back. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Natchez and Jarvis are RFAs, but it's like if Natchez keeps doing what he's doing, he's going to get a significant raise. Oh, yeah. It's at least seven. He's going to match Svechnikov. Like, you're not going to pay these guys pennies on the dollar to come back. I bet you he gets more than seven, dude. Carolina doesn't pay their players high. I mean, Ajo oh, makes but If he's high. an RFA, you're not telling me that a team's not going to fuck around and offer sheet him? They might. I mean, but why not? Really- He's great in open ice. He's very skilled. Has a great shot. Force I mean, Carolina to, to shit or get off the pot, right? But do but don't do what Bergevin did and basically toss the lob to to Waddell. Like make it challenging. Make him have to pay. Yeah, I, I mean I, that offer offer sheet was so ridiculous. I was like, yeah. it's an easy offer. Like, dude, shoot for the stars. And Aho signed it. He would have yeah. been happy to go to Montreal. Yeah. No, that shit was. Again, I could see them tossing a bag at him at Natchez, right? I mean, he's a very he's a really good player. I he's I think he's gonna get seven plus. Yeah, oh if he has a 70, 80 point season, absolutely. Hundred yeah. percent. So I'd be curious to see like what they end up doing. But yeah, it's it's cost, it's cup or bust for them, dude. Like it's you got too many contracts that are expiring. Like, if you're going to go all in, this is probably the year. But I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what they do for goaltending. I don't think they really address it. I think they're good with what they got. They play strong in front of them. Yeah. Ranta is good. I think they want to further develop Kachetkov a little bit more. He's been really good in the AHL with Syracuse, being alone there since Carolina doesn't have one. Yeah. I, I mean, they can tread water either way. But, again, speedy recovery to Freddie. I, I, I really hated seeing that. You know, yeah, that was I hope nothing but the best for him. 
Yeah, I, I always hate seeing news like that. Just fucking terrible. No one deserves to go through that stuff. But no, a couple um couple trades happened today. Like literally a little bit before we started recording. Um, Sharks acquire Kalen Addison, who he has been struggling this year for sure, man. Like I was reading some Minnesota Wild blogs and stuff, and and they have not been happy with him, along with John Merrill. Um, John Merrill hasn't gotten yep. traded, but um yeah so Kalen Addison to the Sharks um the Wild in return get a 2026 fifth round pick and Adam Raska what, what were your thoughts when you uh first saw this deal I mean Addison's not a bad player I mean I you know just change of scenery is probably good for him I mean I don't think they signed him to a really big long-term deal it was a short-term thing I think it was like a year but when you get a guy like Bogosian return, who's a steady shutdown guy, he's steady on the third pair. He's been that way for Toronto, Tampa, pretty much his whole career. I mean, that's that's a boost to a team who's been, I guess you can say, fairly underwhelming defensively. I mean, I know they can't they, they don't have enough wiggle room with the cap space, but not a not a bad move to make if you're if you're Billy Guerin. So, you know, hats off to you trying to right the ship. I mean, for the most part, they have a talented group. It's just got to kind of tighten the ship defensively a little bit. Yeah, and, and I was listening to um, – I saw a couple shorts and clips um, from the Bar Down Beauties podcast, which is based out of Minnesota. They're, you know, they cover the uh, Minnesota Wilds. And when discussing this trade, they, you know, they were saying that Billy Guerin answered their prayers, moving moving this guy. And you, I think you said it best, man. Like, they're two completely different players. Obviously, it was just – deals where you bring in um zach bogosian and again i think down the stretch with where they are as a team right now and because again they're they're a 500 team right now um in the central that central division man you need a guy like zach bogosian right to to kind of solidify things and have that veteran presence and that division man is is wide open like right now you're, yeah. you're sitting colorado's eight and three right now dallas is seven and three then you start getting into where everyone is a lot closer. Winnipeg six and four, Arizona six and five, Minnesota five and five. Yeah, I it's think, like up. For, it's like up for grabs, basically. Yeah, and and you know what? I I love this move bringing in a veteran, a guy who's been there, a guy who's won Stanley Cups, made deep playoff runs. I think this is a phenomenal fit for them. Hundred percent agreed. So, like I said, I I think and and for a. Uh, 2025 seventh round pick, like that's that's a win, dude. Nothing. Yeah, that's a win. Yeah, it's a win win. That's a phenomenal trade. So that those were the two trades that went down uh, today. And I, I think the last thing that we wanted to touch on was Gary Bettman, man, and these these suspensions. Like I, I just can't, I can't for the life of me, man. I thought they were starting to kind of find their way and be consistent, right? Yeah, but you know, you that's saw what it's all about. The line, the you know, the Rasmus Anderson hit on Patrick Line got suspended, right? Two, I, I believe it was two games. Then all of a sudden, you see this Charlie McAvoy hit, which obviously we're pretty close, you know, to the Bruins and whatever, and what we're fans and whatever. And that was a stupid play. He should have never it was a he had, he, play. He, he knew what he was doing when he did that. Four four games, right? Yeah, and then so, the, Clifton, the Clifton hit on Heeshear. Two games. Was that two There's or no? That and it's, it's it's all head injuries, and you can honestly make the argument that 
the he sheer one and the like ekman larson one were essentially like the same in a sense like yeah, well technically like how it happened like how it happened is essentially the same so where where the league has lost me and player safety has absolutely lost me is this week andrew mangiapani cross checks Jared Seattle's Jared McCann in the back of the head while his head is in the ice, clear intent to injure, wasn't anywhere near the play, clear cross check to the back of the head, one game. I don't get it. I, make, I, I like that's, that intent, that's like intent to injure. Like you got to you have to be consistent. I think I think the worst thing, the worst thing that could have happened is Rafi Torres being brought in. Right, it, it, it's. It's been such a mockery and just such a joke, dude. Like, the inconsistency. And I thought we were starting to get on a path where we were going to start seeing consistency, right? There's not even consistency in the officiating, let alone player safety. Yeah, well, man, that's a a whole other thing, man. Like, that was really mind-blowing to me. And that's that's a dangerous play, man. Like, you could have ended his career. Especially what's what's been going on, man, with the neck injury. Like, again... He cross-checked him in the back of the head, like back of the head, neck area. Yeah. Like, and oh, you're gonna give him a one-game suspension for that? There's no way. Like, I, like, and I'm and I'm not trying to justify like what what Clifton or McAvoy or Anderson did. Like, those are all warranted suspensions. Like, and they got their games, but to, and I'm not like he didn't take his head off, but it's like, dude, you just cross somebody, cross-check someone in the back of the neck. Like, what are we doing here? Like, yeah, that was. That's a, that's a play that's like that like like bogus like that's suspensionable for more than a game like you just think of the yeah. intent like you know yeah. did he get hurt I don't know I, I I wasn't able to see like I don't know if McCann came back I hope he did but yeah. it's like dude like yeah, I don't think look that's at, look at the intent like that's not like Oliver Ekman Larson played but you saw like how bad that hit was like it's yeah. just like you you see like how bad that is and how dangerous that is like you just don't do that. And for one game, is just really it, – it's just like it questions everybody, like, with the consistency part. Like, be consistent. Like, yeah. what what do you base your information off of, like, to justify a suspension? And what exactly are you looking for, right? When, you, when, you're, ba- when you're making these decisions on the, on the suspensions, what yeah. during the play are you looking for? Like, it, it, it's mind-boggling to me. I can't for the life of me understand it. It's clear as day to all of us, right? You see someone, right, cross-checking the back of the net. Well, and it's like he had a turnaround. He had a turnaround, too. Right. So it's like he had to literally, like, turn around, take his stick, and, you know. Yeah. It's and, like, and I, what do you look for? Like, what are you basing your suspension off of? Like, And this ropes back into the fact that, you know, Charlie McAvoy decided to appeal his suspension. Which it kind of came a little bit late. I didn't know if he was going to appeal it or just accept it, but they ended up. It, the suspension was yeah. upheld. After Which, this, I mean, after, I mean, he's a repeat offender, so I kind of, I kind of get where like they're coming from. It may have been a little too late. It's fine. It's over after tomorrow's game anyway. Yep. So it just is what it is. Like just. Be better, McAvoy. Just be better. I mean, you know, the league is cracking down on stuff like like this, so it's like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned they play tomorrow after tomorrow. Um, we'll get him back, um, which will be a huge boost. Um, although I haven't hated the way that, you know, these three guys have played Watherspoon, Lowry, and, uh, and Mitchell. 
I haven't hated the way they played. I mean, yeah, you don't you don't want to hate the way they play, but you like like you need Charlie McAvoy. You, you miss need Charlie. your workhorse. You need yeah. him. And the Detroit game, like I like I think that's a game where you you missed him. And I also think like, you know what? They won the Dallas game and credit to them. My hat goes to the fourth line. They matched up very well against the Jason Robertson line, which is not easy to do. That's a very deadly top line. But even then, you like you miss Charlie McAvoy in that game too. Like, yeah, you know, like like my my hat goes to Carlo. He he's played very well the, these last uh, few games. I mean, really stepping up. But you, you know, just you, you need your you need your ace. You need your cornerstone player like you know the Boston Red Sox need an ace right now in their rotation well the Boston Bruins need Charlie McAvoy on their blue line and I I've been really impressed with Hampus Lindholm is really he's he's improving right I think he, he, had he made he made he made my stock report on the upside for once he was on the down for two straight weeks yeah man the week it, three he was on the rise and he it's just a very uncharacteristic start. I mean, compared to last year, but it's so hard to base everything off last year because everything was historic for the Bruins last year, but he came in right from the start. He had seven points in October, a couple of game winning goals before McAvoy came back. He had a very, he had no points in October was a minus two. Now he's got two assists in consecutive games. Just hope he can build off of it. I mean, you know, we need him too. I mean, Grizzlick's down, you know, I know Grizzlick's a smaller guy. Everyone wants to hate on it, but, Grizz looks a good player, and he pairs well with McAvoy. Yeah, but but so, you need you need McAvoy back. So thankfully, uh, you know you get him back. Especially you know you're going to go play Montreal, Buffalo, and Montreal again afterwards. Yeah, and actually, some news that just came across um, my phone recalled former number four overall pick Shane Wright. So he's going to be in the lineup. Yeah, they recalled him from the Coachella Valley Firebirds. Um, Potentially in the lineup tomorrow versus Colorado. I mean, this is. I just hope they don't like bury him on like the fourth line or something. See, this is this is an example of, again, I think he definitely his, has, devel- his development got hindered for so sure. Bad. And I think this is a kid that he did show maturity issues. Right, he uh, he needed some time to kind of grow up a little bit, even in in on the ice and off the ice. Um, you know, Seattle right now sitting at four and six, um, with three overtime losses. Like, I don't know. I, I'm curious to see, you know, where they end up. I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. I'd hate to see a kid like this get buried on the fourth line. Just don't bury him on the fourth line. Because of that point. Because you look at all these other teams, like they're not sheltering their, like, yeah. Okay. Like Luke Hughes is on the third pair, but he's playing some fairly steady minutes, getting power play time. You see all these other rookies this year, like they're getting opportunities and they're in spots that their coaches have placed them in to have success where they can make an impact immediately. Like this yeah. rookie, like this call to race, man, is going to be so exciting. Like, yeah. you know what? Whoever wins, cool. If you get nominated as like a top three, like pat yourself on the back. Like you, yeah. you made it in a loaded class. Like Logan Cooley, like he's in a top spot. Like you look at, Matthew Nyes, yeah. Yeah, Matthew Matthew Nyes. Like, you look at Zach Benson. Bobby Brink. Bobby Brink. Dude, like, all these rookies are in spots to have success. And if Seattle was smart, they would put him in a spot to have success as well. Yeah, I think I think the only example where you're seeing a team kind of control um, 
kind of put the, the player on a leash and just kind of do controlled minutes is Anaheim with Leo Carlson. Um, you know, Leo yeah. Carlson's coming off that lower body injury. Um, but every game that he's played in, he's, he's been, been good. Dynamite. He's been good. Um, so again, that that's really the only example I can think of that they're kind of, you know, easing yeah, them in. No, I mean, every year, like throughout, like all the leagues, like, you know, they're rookies, like they're kind of just, they're in, they're in spots to have success. And, you know, I know like they sent him down last year, he bounced around and ended up with Coachella, but it's like, if you're going to put him in, put him in on like the third line. You know, yeah. give him some, give him some third line minutes behind Gord, behind Beneers, and just like let the kid play. Yeah, or I mean, who knows, man? Put him on a line with Jared with McCann. I mean, I who yeah. knows? Just, um, the a lot of these centers these days can play wing too. Yeah, no, so, it's, you're absolutely so right. It's like so, it's like you know, if you have that flexibility and you have the ability to do that, it's like go ahead. You know, just. Give him a chance to really succeed. Don't don't bury him on the fourth line playing like nine minutes a game. Yeah, no, I I completely agree with you, dude. Um, good for good for Seattle. Yeah, I think I think it's a good move. It's you know it's time. Give him some reps. I mean, you're sitting at like I said four and six early in the year. I mean, why not see what you got? But yeah, man, that that kind of wraps up episode twenty of uh, Drop the Mets Hockey Podcast. Uh, another great episode. Can't thank you enough for coming on. Um, you gotta thank me, man. I'm your co-host. <laughs> yeah, brother, I appreciate you. Man. But uh, you thank me, man. I'm your co-host. We've we've got an unreal, awesome interview. This one was this one was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. You know, from the U.S. National Development Program, um, BU commit Cole Hudson. Um, talk to us about growing up with with three other brothers that are all phenomenal hockey players. Um, talked about playing at BU this year. Um, obviously, he was. In the national development program, his two yeah. brothers are at BU, so getting to play at a Gannis in that you know in that environment. Um, so yeah, this this was an awesome interview. Um, he's you know considered one of the top defensive prospects in the 2024 NHL draft. Um, so yeah, without further ado, man, um, we give you guys Cole Hudson. So thank you and uh, take care. Welcome back to another episode of Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast, brought to you in partnership with Primetime Productions. We have one of our best guests that we've had probably since the show started. Um, Unreal, U.S. National Development Program defenseman, BU commit, 2024 NHL draft prospect, Cole Hudson. Cole, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, I really appreciate you, even with the the flight to, uh, you know, Finland. And uh, I'm sure you're probably exhausted, so I really appreciate you uh, taking the time. Yeah, of course, anytime. So you guys, uh, like I mentioned, guys traveled to Finland. Um, talk to us about what you're going to be doing there, you know, the competition that you're going to be facing there. Um, and, and what are you most excited for that trip? I think uh, just getting to see where we're at against uh, other countries is going to be a big a big thing for us because it's, it's a different uh, scenario for us compared to playing college teams, USHL teams. Instead, we're comparing ourselves to, to – uh, see how we do against other countries and and it'll set us up big time for the end of the year yeah you know you mentioned the, the college competition that you had and uh kind of i was going to ask this you know later on in the in the in- interview but you know you guys went into bu you went into aganis and just freaking lit it up man talk to us about what that experience was like obviously you played against uh you know both your brothers and um talk to us about what that what that experience was like the crowd just the whole environment as a whole 
Yeah, that was probably one of the best games I've played in my life. Most fun environment to ever be in. Obviously, we had three BU commits on our team, me, Izzy, and, and Camille. And it was it was a huge game for us, and I'm glad we took down my brothers. Yeah, were they they chirping you at all throughout the game? No, not really. They, they, oh. they kind of had to keep their mouth shut. Yeah, <laughs> especially, man, the scores of those games. It was like, holy shit, like yeah. – yeah, you guys, you guys took it to him, but uh, kind of pivoting, you know, from when, you know, growing up and stuff, mentioned you have three brothers, Lane, Quinn, and Lars, you know, all hockey players. Um, talk to us about growing up in that household. Obviously insane. You guys are all nasty at hockey. Like, talk to us about what it was like growing up in that household, um, you know, and, and what did growing up with three brothers that all played hockey, what did that do for your development in your game? Yeah, it was a pretty crazy uh, environment growing up. Three super competitive brothers who always wanted to be better than everyone. And uh, yeah, it was competing from competing against each other every day, wanting to get better. And it's definitely helped my game a lot. I know it's helped theirs too. And yeah, I think just the environment we put ourselves in has helped us a lot. Yeah, you guys must have had some like unreal battles, man, whether it was mini hockey or street hockey or whatever. Who, uh, who usually came on came out on top uh, during those battles? Uh, it kind of depended on on what we were doing, but I would say it's a it was a fair share of winning. There you for go. Sure. <laughs> who who would you credit as like you know the one that kind of made you fall in love with the game? Um, like who would you credit as you know your biggest influence um, on why you love the game of hockey so much? Definitely my dad. He he got me into it at a pretty young age. I remember I have memories from. Him bringing me out with this high school team, just get me on the skates at, at age two through the rest of my life. And yeah, he definitely got me into it. And my brothers helped me too. And I always wanted to be just like them growing up. And uh, yeah, they, they definitely got me into it too. Yeah. on the uh, So on the national um, U.S. national team uh, development website, um, you have listed as your hockey hero, your dad, like you just mentioned, uh, you know, what, what is your dad and, and your mom, honestly, what have they meant, like, obviously from a young age, even up until now, what have they meant, um, like, to you? You literally have been there through your entire hockey journey. What have they meant to you during this whole uh, process? It's a crazy process, and it's only going to get crazier um, come draft time. Like, what have they meant to you during this whole thing? Yeah, they've definitely been there for me my whole life, and uh, I can't thank them enough. They've driven me 7 a.m. hockey practice my whole life pretty much sacrificing everything they had. And uh, they wanted to put me in the best situation that I could be in. And uh, yeah, I can't thank them enough for that. Yeah. So I, and I was also kind of on that website and honestly, you and I are, are pretty similar as far as like, you know, interests and stuff. Obviously you're a lot better at hockey and you can skate and stuff and me, not so much, but man, you got your favorite movie listed as happy Gilmore. Taylor Swift is your favorite artist. Favorite hobby is golf. One that threw me through an absolute loop is iCarly as your fa as your favorite TV show, man. Like, what what is that all about? Threw me through a complete loop. Yeah, I don't know. I think probably in the moment I was just <laughs> writing stuff down, but uh, yeah, I remember growing up. It was it was definitely one of my favorite favorite TV shows to watch, most entertaining, and I always I always watched it with my brothers growing up. How's the uh, how's the golf game, dude? I'm alright. Definitely need some work, but. I give my brothers a run for their money. Don't we all, man? We all need work. But uh, um, 
So you're committed to play at BU. Um, mentioned, you know, both Quinn and, you know, Lane are both there right now, both extremely talented. Um, was it always BU? Were there any other schools that you at least went and visited or were interested in, or was it always the Terriers um, throughout this? I did check out Michigan State uh, on like an unofficial visit. It was a pretty nice school, but I, I had a feeling that I was going to BU like no matter what. I feel like they kind of paved the way for me, and I just wanted to be with them. What what is it going to mean to you to put be able to put on the same sweater as your brothers and and to be on on the same ice as them? It's definitely going to be different, but uh, yeah, I, I just can't wait for it to get started. Yeah, um, you know, and it, for the past couple of year years, you've put up some incredible stats. Um, you know, during your time at the national development program, the World Juniors, the World Hockey Championships. Um, what areas of your game do you take the most pride in? Um, and then to kind of caveat off that, what are some areas of your game that you are really looking to um, focus on improving, you know, as, you know, as your game develops? Yeah, obviously, who doesn't love having fun in the Ozone? I know it's my favorite part of the game, but right. I've been I've been focusing more on the D side of the puck this year, kind of closing out plays fast and joining the rush whenever I can. Um, man, talk, talk to us about winning gold, both in the world juniors and, and world hockey championship. What was that? What was that whole experience? Like, obviously you were playing the best of the best, right? I mean, for every country, um, and you guys ultimately took home gold. What was that? What were those tournaments like? Um, and, and what was it like being able to take home gold? Yeah, it was definitely one of the best moments of my life, both times that I felt like it couldn't get better the second time, but. I think it outdid it the second time. Uh, like the teams we had put together and uh, we, we all came so close and to win with both groups was, was kind of crazy. And yeah, it was one of the best moments of my life. And I was, go I was going through that roster and it was like unbelievable how loaded you guys were like the names on that. And then honestly for, for the other countries too, I was going through their list and it's like, Holy shit. Like you, and you guys, you know, played well too. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, that's awesome, man. And uh, kind of going back to, I was on your profile and uh, you had Kale McCarr and the Colorado Avalanche listed as your favorite player um, and your favorite team. Um, is Kale a guy that you try to emulate your game after? I mean, obviously you mentioned, you know, love being in the offensive zone and who's better in, in the NHL right now offensively than Kale McCarr, right? And uh, so is he a guy that you try to emulate your game after? And um are there any other defensemen in the league that you really kind of look up to and try to model your game after? Yeah, definitely. Cam McCarr is up there for one of my favorite players to watch. And I try and model my game against uh, and do what he does in the Ozone all the time. And uh, another player that I, I look up to is Adam Fox. He obviously played for NTP also, and he's not, he's not a bigger guy. And just the way he's able to create chances for his teammates and, create something from from little to nothing there is is pretty special is 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 adam fox a guy that you kind of compare your like i know it's really hard to kind of compare yourself right to other players because every player is so different right is is adam fox a guy that you kind of see yourself in yeah i think we definitely have some similarities but yeah obviously he's in the nhl i'm not i still right, got right. to do so yeah i can't i can't really compare myself to any of them I, I feel like just in watching your game, right? I mean, yeah, you you said it there, right? Like you and you'll get there someday. It's just I see so many, you know, 
similarities, right, in the way that you play and the way that Adam Fox plays. I, I think that's an awesome comparison. Um, so earlier this season, um, there was some huge news, right? Cole Eiserman decommitted uh, from the University of Minnesota. Commits to BU, man. What, what was that like for you? And what was your reaction when you heard the news of that? Because that it was unreal. It kind of felt like it came out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, I like looked at my phone and I was like, this isn't happening. Like, that's insane. What, what was uh, your reaction when you first heard? Yeah, I was I was kind of in shock. I, I couldn't really believe it, but uh, yeah, I'm just I just know I'm excited to play the next few years with him, and it's been a blast these past two years with him too. Yeah, it's it's awesome to see how how like the college hockey game is you know evolving, and I think Lane was kind of the start of that, right? How electric all these guys are, um, and obviously BU right now is a phenomenal team with Macklin Celebrini being over there, and you know your yeah. brother both your brothers for that matter. Right. Um, and I kind of wanted to ask this before when we were talking about when you played at BU, was that the most electric environment that you played in? Was that the like craziest barn you've ever played in or were there any other, um, atmospheres that were crazier than that? Yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely the best game I've, I've played in my life. And, uh, just, it, it was just a special game for me. The fans definitely made it special. And, uh, yeah, it was it was a once in a lifetime moment, and we definitely lived up to it. So this year, right, twenty twenty four, you're draft eligible. Um, crazy time, right? You know, you're going to be getting calls left and right. You know, meetings left and right. For NHL GMs, coaches, scouts, whatever, they're looking at you know Cole Hudson, the player, and you know the person. What kind of person and player is a team getting in Cole Hudson? I think they're getting a, a, a guy that can produce points, secondary and primary, and uh, a kind of person that everyone wants to be around. And uh, I think I'm a pretty humble kid that, that loves their teammates and uh, will do anything for them. Yeah, I think you said it right there, man. And and we had, you know, Brody Zemer on, for, on our last episode. And same thing, man, like, just saying how, how fun that group is to, you know, everyone gets along in that locker room. Um, that's what he was saying. And um, he said, he's just, this is one of the best groups he's been a part of. Um, so man, I honestly, I can't thank you enough for coming on um, answering some questions and uh, honestly wish you nothing but the best um, wish you luck in, you know, the draft process, obviously enjoy Finland um, and take care, buddy. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Awesome, man. Take care. Yeah, you too. Bye.